What up, guys? It's Jordan back with another episode of Starting a Startup. And this may be the most, uh, I don't know, inform and informational podcast that I will ever do. Um, I have an opportunity right now to be able to speak a little bit to a serious injury I had just recently. So this podcast is actually starting immediately after I just got a chance to go down to a wheelchair ramp in my house and go outside for the first time in a month. This uh, last month has been pretty crazy. So I'm going to take you back to the original, the last podcast we had would have been where I was talking about this whole COVID situation, the shutdown, and how I believe that uh, it was kind of uh, overinflated. It was weird to, we were freaking out over nothing, really, in my opinion, which don't get me wrong, people are dying, things are happening like that, but it's not as serious as we thought. I think the uh, reaction is often, I think there's an old saying about that, the reaction is often worse than the interaction, but um that's kind of how I feel like we were going. Well, in the meantime, we were shut down for business. And I had come to the realization that I could get a lot of stuff done. I could get caught up. I was working really crazy hard on making sure that we had the best things set up so that when we, when everybody does finally wake up and realize that we overreacted, we'd be ready to go back into business and we'd be full steam ahead and be all caught up. Well, as I was doing that, I started realizing that I was just overclocking us. I was pushing so many new objectives and initiatives on everybody that they were just drowning. Nobody knew where to go. So it was able for me to be able to go through with a very precise weapon and just shoot the things that aren't necessary for us to have. like uh, Things like Concur that have been wasting four months worth of our time to try to make work with our accounting that wasn't. Working with our accountants to be able to get the P&L statements to be more accurate and reflective. Focusing more on combat carding because I'd put so much in front of me it was going to be impossible for me to do anything with that for a little while. Just a lot of things like that I was starting to figure out. So I came to the realization that I need to slow down. I need to stop pushing so many things. I need to be the one who jumps on these interactions and these initiatives. And then they, I shouldn't relieve them to anybody until there's no additional questions that keep popping up. Once there's things that I no longer have a significant amount of uh, response to other than maybe retraining people or teaching things and people new stuff or whatever with it as it, it rolls out, then I hand that stuff off. What I was doing so often was I was putting something, I was building it, I was getting the pieces together. I got it started. I conferenced with another person. I said, this person's taking over from here. Ready, set, go. And they came into it without any prior knowledge or anything, and they had to try to play catch up. It's a recipe for disaster. And I recognized this stuff because I had a bunch of time off. Along with it, I thought, you know what? And I've also ignored a lot of time with my family and my friends. I'm going to be better about this, and I'm going to take some more time. I'm going to work less hours, and I'm going to just start enjoying life a little bit more. Because whether I have one location or I'm international and this you know, entertainment mogul, I really don't give a shit. Because i got a really great life around me. Well... I was still pretty hungry for the attention. It was pretty obvious, which I've always been. I was I have a very heavy ego-driven uh, attitude. And I had my mini buggy, and it was just everything was working great on us, having fun. And we thought, you know what would be really cool is if we filmed Jordan jumping the mini buggy. And we'll build a ramp for it and stuff like that. So we're out there. We build a ramp out in, the, out in this uh, field, and we tear it up. We make a racetrack out of it and whatnot. And we're hitting it with the 110cc dirt bike and everything. And we finally get it to where it's ready for the day where I'm going to jump. Well, we have this ramp wide enough. It's been hit 100 times and whatnot. We got drones to video record it. We got uh, Tyler, our, our, our film guy there, set up with slow motion cameras, everybody with other cameras. And we're getting ready to, t to, to launch this thing. And I had made the decision that when I launch this thing, I'm going to fucking send it. It's going to be as full throttle and as fast as I can. But the other thing I, I had accepted was I was not going to make it. I was going to crash. And there was nothing inside of me that said, well, then don't do it, dumbass. 
you, why would you do that? There's, it's not worth that attention. It's not worth going after that. But I, I, I came to the realization that I just, I constantly strive for something more insane and crazy. And even if I crash, whatever, no big deal. I'll learn what the weak part is and I'll make it stronger. But you know what? I had something that worked perfectly fucking well. It was a blast to be able to enjoy. Why did I have to go and destroy it to try to make it stronger when it was already everything that I wanted it to be? The only thing that would make a difference is then I'd be able to take it off the jumps and I really don't need to be doing that shit. This sounds like a whole new me. People would have never heard me saying these things, but let me explain to you what the next couple weeks happened. So I launched this mini buggy and we get filmed and I, I just endo, end over end rolling, 65 miles an hour, 172 feet of rolling. I walk out of it with maybe a mild concussion, just dizzy, couldn't really see whatnot. Mini buggy's pretty fucked up, front control arms broken, rear control arms broken, frames bent, um, brake, uh, brake master cylinder was blown apart, steering wheels bent, roofs caved in, wings broken off, fuel cell uh, re uh, retain system is broken off. Um, you know, all in all, just it's a substantial amount of damage is probably going to take me several, probably 100 hours to be able to fix. Either way, whatever, I had accepted that. Well, I walked away with this from, with absolutely no injury, nothing, like, nothing substantial. And I remember beforehand, I mean, I'm telling Zach, hey, make sure you continue filming. Everybody, don't stop filming until it's done. Casey, you were on the fire extinguisher, the fastest, get ready. Like, I was prepared to get fucking hurt. For what? Honestly, it was just for views and, and likes and thumbs up and, you know, just getting out there to be this, like, this daredevil. And I was risking some serious shit. I got a family. I got a business. And I launched that thing. And I walked away fine. And that's because I can sit here and stand here and say, I prepared that chassis to be set up for those types of those impacts. So it was ready for it. But you know what? I was feeling pretty fucking high and mighty after that. You know what? It's broken. Whatever. No big deal. But you know what? We're going to go out there. We're still going to have some fun on that track. I'll get that thing fixed. So a week later, I invite everybody over and we're out there, we're playing on the, in the tracks. I'm getting everything done up at the shop that I need to get done and whatnot. And uh, we come in the house, and we do a big cookout. We all grill out and everything. And I said, all right, time for me to go out there and I'm going to go step my fastest lap. So I go out there and I see the jump that we have at the start and finish line that I had built. It's, it's raised all the way up, higher than I'd ever seen it. And I thought, you know what, it's been like a week since I've hit it. Rather than run a lap and then have it in my head while I'm tired that that might be too steep of a jump, I'm just going to hit it right now and get it out of the way. So I go back to the chicane. At this point, nobody's here yet, but I have full confidence. I'm going to be perfectly fine. I've jumped this thing a hundred times before with absolutely no issues. So I come at this jump, fourth gear, pegged, 40, 45 miles an hour. I go to jump it, and the last thing I remember is the, the, the suspension just bottoming out. You just feel it slam. And I remember kind of coming to and being like, Oh shit, you freaking idiot. You couldn't even jump that ramp. You screwed it up that bad because jumping a dirt bike. I mean, yeah, there's some design to the ramps and things like that to have it done. Right. But jumping a dirt bike is 99% in your freaking head. If you can be prepared and fluid enough to react to things, you're going to be perfectly fine. This jump has been hit a hundred times. There's no reason why it should have been too wrong of a pitch to make me really fuck up enough to where I couldn't recover it. Right. So I'm pissed off at myself, and I remember seeing the rock pile, and I thought, all right, let's get my ass up and assess the damage. And I rolled over, and it was just this, oh my god, just this screaming pain for my hip. I just kind of leaned back forward, I was like, nope, nope, that's either not in place or very broken. Okay. And I felt the phone in my right pocket, and I grabbed it, and I see, and it says, missed call from Casey. So I hit the call button, and he answers, like, hey man, uh, I just crashed on the jump, I think I'm pretty badly hurt. 
And he's like, how hurt? I said, do I need to call the ambulance? I said, I'm not really for sure. Why don't you get out here? I hang up the phone and I pretty much black out at that point. I remember Mark Nelson showing up with his quad and saying, I'm going to get the, I'm going to go down to the road so I can flag the ambulance and show them where it's at. Then I remember them cutting my clothes off of me in the ambulance and talking about, you know, what was going on. And this whole time, I'm just pissed at myself because how did I fuck that up? That's something so simple. That's when I hear the ambulance crew say, the ramp broke. And it all made sense to me. It wasn't my fault. I didn't fuck it up when I was going to it. Something outside of my control fucked it up. And I can't be mad about that because it's, it's outside of my control. At that point, they innovate me and they're trying to reset my hip and everything. I'm, I'm gone. I remember barely coming out of the field and then complimenting them on how smooth they came out of the field. And the next thing I know, I'm in the hospital. And I'm in the hospital and I come out of it twice and they say that they're having trouble resetting my hip into place. And I mean, at this point, you know, I just got a fucking innovation tube pulled out of my mouth. I have no clue what's going on. They're asking me to sign these documents to approve, putting me back under and telling me the risks or, you know, you could die from this and whatnot. I have no clue. I'm stoned out of my mind out of everything that they put in front of me. But everything is so reactionary right now because of this entire fucking COVID situation. The hospital's fragmented. They don't know where to put resources where. They have to lay certain people off. They have to overstaff certain people. They're moving floors. They're creating new processes and profiles. So I'm going to this hospital when it's probably the most volatile time in the last 20 years of it to be uh, for them to do anything. They just got to try to figure everything out. So they get me in the room. They finally x-ray me and they realize that I absolutely shattered that hip. So you got your uh, femur, the femoral head goes into your hip, into a socket. I blew the socket apart so it wouldn't actually hold my hip in place anymore. So they took me in for surgery, put me back out, get me through surgery, and they just cut my entire back end open. And it looks like somebody took a freaking nail gun, a framing nail or something like that, didn't take the ribbon off and just started just pow, 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 just all sorts of screws and bolts and everything through that to be able to put that stuff together. And they finally got it back together. Eight hours of surgery. To give you some understanding, it's your typical hip break surgery is two hours. I was in for eight hours. The doctor said he all he does is femoral repairs. He said it was the worst damage he had seen to a, a, a pelvic area in seven years of his career. I fucked this thing up. Well, unfortunately, I also broke four vertebrae and three ribs. But the cool part about that is, is when you fuck up something really bad, like your hip to that level, you don't feel the ribs, you don't feel the back, because your brain can only process two of those inputs at a single time, and it's not worried about how a broken rib or broken back feels. To give you an idea of how much pain I'm in, I did not feel when they pushed on my broken ribs to put the leads on. I did not feel sitting up and moving around with my lower back, because the hips and the nerve pain was so large, those didn't even process. So... They also, you know, they talked to me about what it's going to be. They talked to me about what my journey is going to be. And then they realized they got to take me back into surgery. I've got this gap in my femur that's too big. So they go in there and they put this like fucking four inch bolt through the back of my pelvic region to be able to bring everything together. Now I'm not going to be able to make it through a goddamn, not, not a single uh, TSA metal detector ever again. There's no doubt about that. But they did a great job. They did the heavy lifting. Well, at this point now, they've, you know, they've got me still actually in traction. They're still hanging my leg and whatnot because they want to make sure that the muscles aren't going to be um, trying to pull it back out of socket and whatnot. So what they did is they drilled a hole right across through the set back side of my knee and put a pin there with a big U-hole, and they hung 37 pounds of weight off of it for two days. That just made sure that my femoral head stayed inside the socket while I could at least build up some type of strength in there. Well, the doctor comes in and he tells me, well, you broke your femoral head and you shattered your hip. You're going to have to have a hip replacement within the next decade and you will never run again. 
I was like, cool. Thanks, dude. Good thing I jumped that 110cc kid's dirt bike that I thought was impossible to fuck up. So at this point now, I'm sitting in my hospital room, and it is, I can't even describe what the pain is like. If you've never had true nerve damage, you don't know what pain is. They damaged my, or I shouldn't say they, I damaged my sciatic nerve. And when they were cutting back there and they were getting to the pelvic region, they they really had to hit it a lot. A lot of dam uh, damage and injury happened to it. Um, that's a big nerve. It runs from your lower back all the way down to your right to, to your right and left toes, right? So I have paralysis of my right foot. I, I can push it down, I can push my toes down, but I can't bring them upright. There's no, there's no muscle to bring up. Um, and I've been working really hard at that. And guys, this is, I think this is almost three weeks or three and a half weeks since my injury. And I can, I can move them slightly. I'm getting some, some mobility back there. But while I was in the hospital, they had me on, um, Dilaudid and Oxycodone and Oxycontin and Gabapentin and Amoxa, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. They had me on all these different drugs. Um, and the pain didn't go away. Nerve pain is just something completely different. I didn't even know existed. I want to explain what it felt like on my foot. And this is not an exaggeration at all. I just, this is what I kept picturing in my head over and over as I was just, and, it, and it's just a constant pain. It's not a throbbing pain. So if you think of the worst throbbing pain where it has ever just like locked your whole body down to where you can't think of anything, imagine that for five fucking days straight, okay? It felt like I was walking around outside with flip-flops on in the snow for hours, that, that burning, bitter, cold feeling in your toes. And then I took my foot out and I laid it on the concrete and somebody just fucking smashes it with a sledgehammer over and over. And I know that's graphic, but that is just what I just kept feeling. And it wasn't like I was hit, feeling a hit and then it go away, a hit, then it go away. It was like they hit and it was just like a rapid fire, nonstop, just never gave up pain. So I'm sitting there just doped out of my mind with every painkiller they want to throw at me. And I'm grabbing my damn knee and I'm just screaming, just Argh! the whole fucking night. That was the worst night. I, I didn't know pain like that could exist. The nurse sat at the end of my frickin' bed and rubbed my feet to try to distract me from the pain for just 15 minutes. Probably the kindest gesture I'd seen in two weeks because during this entire time, I don't have family coming to see me. I don't have friends coming to see me. Everybody's on lockdown. Everybody has to stay home. And I have to be able to make all my medical decisions myself with the information here. While I'm high on all these meds, no fucking clue what we're doing. My wife dives in and she busts her ass to get me moving. You know what we end up finding out? Find out that a lot of my pain was being caused by the steps they were taking at the hospital. You know, I got to credit the hospital. They did the heavy work to get me where I needed to go. But man, did I have a hard freaking time after that. Excruciating pain nights. Well, one day I had a nurse that came in that was just absolute sunshine. And she came in and she's like, all right, I'm your nurse today. Let me tell you who I am. And her name is Melinda and I'm not going to say anything else. But she, uh, she was a bright ray of the day. And here I am, I'm laying in bed, and I'm just trying to figure out, I'm so frustrated that that ramp fucking gave out on me, and I'm stuck in this thing, and how long am I going to be here? They're telling me I can't walk for six months. What's it going to be like? And she's sitting there, and she's going, did somebody go poopy? And I just kind of laugh, and I'm like, no. And she's like, well, you tell me when you do. We can clean some poopy. I just had so much fun with all the things that I felt degraded by. I mean, I had to shit on myself in bed because I couldn't move. And then people had to come in and clean it off of me. Can you understand how much that takes away from your humility? I'm relying on people to clean my ass because of the decisions that I made. That's some, if that doesn't start to connect back home to you, it's really, it's a hell of a realization for me. 
well, you know what? I also got this nurse over here who's having fun doing it. And she's making me feel better about it. And now I'm starting to realize, you know what? This is their profession. They're okay with this. They chose to do this, and I'm thankful they're there to do it. Now it's up to me to try to solve my journey and work together with them to come up with a solution. So a couple days later, I'm, you know, I've made friends with this nurse. She's been a freaking blast keeping my spirits up. And she's, when she first came to see me, she told me about this guy named Kevin that was in the ICU as well. Kevin was trying to throw axes at home. And he's a bigger man. And when he went to throw, he did something wrong. He misstepped, twisted his knee, and basically ripped his leg off. It just his knee came off right at the socket. Severed his nerves, his blood vessels, all that stuff. And I started crying because I started this fucking high caliber business to get people to go out and have fun and do things in a safe manner that they felt like they could never do before. And here it is. I got some fucking government sitting there telling me that I can be shut down. And I can see right there, this guy had the opportunity to not get injured. And he's probably going to lose his fucking leg over it. It's another one of those casualties that we aren't taking into consideration with all the steps that we're taking with this entire COVID thing. But you know what? This Melinda girl is choosing to be a bright spot in his day and keep him happy and keep him engaged and keep him motivated and positive. She's giving back to people. So I wrote something on a business card along the lines of, man, I can't wait to see you get better. Here, come see me. Free axe throwing on me. I'll come throw axes with you. Ask for Jordan when you get there. So she comes to me and she goes, hey, I'm going to FaceTime you. It's his birthday. So she goes in there and she gives him the card and I scream at the top of my fucking lungs, happy birthday, as much as I can to where... Everybody, all the nurses come running to my room thinking something's wrong as I'm just trying to give a little bit of happiness to this person that's injured because you know what? Somebody's given it to me. Melinda sparked something in me. I stopped feeling sorry for myself and I started realizing that I have a choice over how I feel with these things again. And I had lost that for a little while. So as I lay there in bed for the next couple of days and just kind of get a chance to chew this over, I realize I'm fucking lucky. Okay? In multiple different ways. First, one of my friends didn't have that happen to him. That, that What happened out there was going to happen. That ramp was going to break on somebody. I'm happy it was me. Because you know what? I put that fucking ramp out there. You know what? That was a pigskin pin platform. That was testing some shit out with. And I thought, hey, let's throw a ramp out there real quick. This will be cool. And we threw one out there. And we half-assed put this thing together. And we just kept running it because it fucking worked. But you know what? I didn't think about the consequences of my actions. I built something for a completely different use, grabbed that thing, threw it in a fucking field and said, let's hit it at 40 miles an hour on a 45 degree incline. It was guaranteed to happen. Now I am the one who's at fault for my injuries. And now that I can realize that, I can realize what I'm doing wrong. I'm constantly trying to one up myself and I'm trying to do it so fucking fast that I'm missing all the things that could possibly hurt me. And here it is. I got hurt a week ago in that mini buggy should have been what put me in this situation. That should have fucked me up. But you know what? It didn't. And I felt fucking invincible. So I still stopped caring less and less about my consequences. It's like when you get pulled over for speeding. You get a big ass ticket and you don't speed for months and months and months after that. But after a while, you're like, fuck it, I'm good. And you're doing 90 miles an hour in a 60 and you get pulled over and you get ticketed again, right? Happens to everybody. Everybody loosens up after a little while, in my opinion. Or the most people listen to this podcast, that's for damn sure. So... I had let my guard up too much. But you know what? I'm going to walk again. I'm very confident that I'm going to walk again. Perfectly fine. I mean, back to normal. I'm doing a Tough Mudder next year. I'm fully confident of this. No doubt in my mind. Because I have control over this situation, right? But in this hospital, I didn't. I was on a massive amount of drugs. And I was getting people showing up every 18 minutes, putting something else in me that I didn't understand. In the meantime, screaming in agony for pain because 
I'm trying to figure out how the fuck pain like this even exists in the first place. You know what? I'm spent the day. I was talking with a couple friends. And I was rather drugged up, so I was actually lucid for a little bit. And I got on a conference call, and the people on this conference call started talking to me about how inspirational it was for them to see me staying positive throughout this whole process. Because let's be fucking real, guys. Most people are freaking out enough as it is over this whole COVID shutdown. You had a business that's like mine, that's a, sh- a social business that's been in business for six months into a situation like this, and then you take the CEO and you fucking paralyze his foot and put him on med- prescription medications? That's a fucking tough obstacle. But you know what's awesome about that? I'm going to fucking conquer that obstacle. And if I can conquer this, I can conquer fucking anything. So now I'm not at all concerned about this, and nobody else is either. Nobody's freaking out about this business. Everybody sat there encouraging me about, dude, you're going to fucking, it's you. You're going to get better. You're going to be on top of this in no time. And I felt fucking invincible. So I'm looking down at my legs and I'm realizing these things are swollen five times the size of what they were. I can't keep a boot on. The shoe that Jalissa sent me doesn't even fit my fucking left foot because it's so swollen. My whole body is swollen and bruised. And I realized I have this catheter in, which is ungodly painful. And they said it's because they're pumping so much fluid through me. They're trying to flush out all the muscle that's breaking down, all the proteins from plugging up my kidneys and causing me to have kidney failure and die. But you know what? They're flushing too much through me. I drank a gallon of water a day every fucking day before that accident. My body was not used to holding that level of sodium. So I told them to take the catheter out and take me off the IV. They took the catheter out and they lowered down the dosage. But I wasn't happy yet. I knew that I needed to get off of that IV because that was causing the majority of my pain. And that pain was making it so I couldn't sleep, which was putting me in a bad place to be able to heal and recover. So that night I said, I'm taking, I want to be off IV. The worst, the best I will settle for is you can put me on, um, I think it was N10 half normal. Uh, something my mom told me, which was a very low saline count and actually was mostly glucose that used for, for being able to, uh, the electrolytes or whatever they were replacing. But anyways, so they, they, they ended up calling the doctor that night. The doctor said, no, it's either no IV or, or this. I'm not fucking changing it on you. I said, great, then no IV. Let's do it. So they send everybody in. They're taking all my blood. They're taking all my, all my vitals. That way the, the hospital can document basically why I died. And I go to bed that night thinking, well, I could die tonight. I think this is the right decision, so I'm going to do it. Next morning, I wake up, swelling's way down, pain's way down. I slept multiple hours more. Things were going in the right direction. They send the doctors in. I explained to the doctors my thought to it, and they said, yep, we agree. We agree that's why you did it. It was a very good decision of you. You know what the thing is? There's not other people in the hospital looking for how they can do this. So this doctor sees that I'm taking action to be able to be successful myself. She is way more comfortable with the, the, the statements and the, the thoughts that I'm giving. She's more receptive. Well, after that, I'm starting to get more control now. I don't have a catheter tied to me. I don't have an IV tied to me, but I still have this pump that's pumping all of the, uh, from the incisions, it's pumping away all the moisture and everything from that. So that um, there's like a sponge wick over it and my legs kind of half wrapped in plastic. Well, during this time, they moved the nurses from the 10th floor down to the 9th floor. And the 10th floor is now the COVID unit. So all the nurses that were up there in, the, in my hospital wing, are now no, not familiar with these rooms at all or where any of the equipment or anything is, and they're trying to figure everything out while I'm in this room. So for me, if I hit the call button, it's going to be at least five minutes before anybody even asks, is there something you need? After that, I'm lucky if within 10 minutes somebody shows up. So let's just say I hit the call button because I shit all over myself or something. It's going to be 15 to 20 minutes before I have somebody show up that I'm just going to be sitting there. I don't know if that's normal, but it was rough. So I realized real quickly that I needed to learn to fend for myself. So I started taking steps to take my walker and go to the bathroom myself, get out there. Well, a nurse caught me and freaked out because I was not supposed to be getting out of the, out of the bed. I was, I was set on 
strict bed rest and assistance because I was a big fall uh, potential. <clears throat> so they set the alarm on my bed, of course. So 12 o'clock in the morning, I got to go to the bathroom and I go to get out of bed, set off all these alarms, everybody, people come running in thinking that I fell out and nope, just trying to pee. And <laughs> so, well, after that, they send in physical therapy. Well, physical therapy works with me the first day and it was, it was tough. I, you know, he, they wanted me to do certain moments in certain ways and it was very challenging for me to do it. But, you know, I worked with it and I tried to make it work and I had a lot of motivation and pressure to push forward because I knew that I had the ability to overcome any obstacle in front of me and walk again. There's no fucking doubt in my mind. I will be out of pain and I'll be walking again, hundred percent in control of everything. And I'm going to walk away with it with a lesson without being paralyzed, without being dead. I'm fucking thankful I get that opportunity for that. And I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to do it during one of the most difficult business times I will ever see in the existence, in my existence. I love challenges. And this is just fucking great. Well, during all this time that they're sending the PT down, I have all of these people who are showing up and they're, they're, you know, they're Jordan, you're kicking ass, keep going, push hard. I have these fucking stars of the msu basketball team sending me videos of you know spartans will they're gonna win they find a way to overcome and i feel just absolutely motivated well they send occupational therapy in and she says well show me what you can do so i get up and i start moving she goes i want you to walk down to this door i said no i'm fucking walking to the end of this hall and back she's like no you don't need to walk that far i said no i do this is for me not for you walking to that hall and back was four times the length of what she thought i was capable of doing and god damn it i fucking did it I came back and I kept working. I went through some stuff. She showed, I showed her everything I was capable of. And she said, you know what? You were going to be a fucking rock star recovery because you're moving a ton already more than anybody else. Mind you, fucking hurt. Really hurt. But you know what? I knew that I was building my muscles back. I was building my nerves back. And I was going to be on top of this in no time. It wasn't but 20 minutes later, they send in the uh, Mary Freebed where I was going to go to be able to do my recovery. And they said, hey, we want to do an assessment on you. So they said, you know, how are you feeling? I was like, well, I just got done out of physical therapy 40 minutes ago. So I'm a little whoop, but you know what? Let's do this. I'll show you what I got. I'm feeling fucking motivated. So we go out and they said, how far can you walk? So I'll walk this entire fucking hospital wing right, right, right now. All right, show me. So I did it. Walked the whole fucking hospital wing. Got in and out of bed, went on and off the bat, the toilet, changed myself, shaved myself, brushed my teeth, put on some shoes, put on my shorts. They looked at me and they said, you know what? You're doing everything that we're going to teach you when you come here. What would you say about going home today? Now, I want to explain something to you here. I'm in my second week without seeing any of my friends or family other than through FaceTime. I haven't seen outside of a 12 foot area hardly at all. They told me I wasn't going to go home until June 15th. April 28th was when I got injured. I was expecting a month and a half in the hospital, over a month and a half. It was March 7th and they're asking me if I want to go home. And I'm like, holy shit, look how far ahead of the curve I am. But I realize, what if I'm making a, a mistake here? What if I'm going home too early and I miss out on some of this physical therapy that I need to be the best that I can be? So I challenge the doctor and I ask him questions. She gives me a prescription for uh, getting physical therapy outpatient um, and feels confident of it. And Jalissa says, I'd be lying if I didn't say I wasn't ready, but you know what? Let's do this. And I came home that day. I came home to my friends here. They helped me get into the house. They went back and got my walker for me. We got my prescription medications and you know what? God damn it. I'm home. I'm home with my family. Well, there's a lot you take for granted. And when you lose it, you don't realize that you lost it. You know, before this whole injury, a 22 minute 5k was my mark of being successful. That was, if I did that, it was this, yes, fucking in charge. I'm in power. Feel great. That was what motivated me. Walking 10 feet now is a motivator. 
I just went outside for the first time in a month. You know what rain feels like for the first time in a month? You forget these things. But when they come back to you, you really appreciate them. I learned a lesson. I learned I had a chance to overcome this, but I gotta be smarter about it. I can't let things like this control me. I can't let myself get loose again. I got responsibilities. I'm gonna find the things that are risky, and I'm gonna assess the risk more often, and I'm gonna slow down, and I'm gonna enjoy life some more. Because it's okay to do seven tenths. I was 10 tenths, and that's, that's a factor. So when you're racing, they talked about how fast you're going in a tenth, and I've probably talked about this before on a podcast, but I'm gonna summarize it here. You're going 10 tenths on a track and you take a corner and there's a fucking leaf that your tire hits, you're done. You crash because you have no extra room to go. Every goddamn time I raced, I crashed because I was always finding 10 tenths. This is going to give me the chance to learn this. It's okay to go 7 tenths. You can enjoy life a little more on 7 tenths because 10 tenths in 6 months in the hospital is a fucking bullshit compared to 7 tenths for 6 months straight. And it resonated to me that whole I'm constantly trying to one-up myself thing. I thought, this is now my challenge. I get to overcome this, and I will. So, every step of the way, I got my wife taking care of me here. Supplementing me, making sure I'm on my meds at the right times and everything. And we ran into some obstacles. I went to an appointment that was just way too far of walking to where the next two days I was in absolute misery and pain. I went to physical therapy. I fell down the steps when I tried to get out because I thought these two little steps that are designed for handicapped people, their rise is like three inches and their run is like 12. I can climb up these myself. And then I try to, and I fall completely backwards into a car and injure my left hip hip flexor. The new walls that I have to learn are very interesting. And it's amazing that taking a shower is the new success. It's something that I never would have contemplated before, but it becomes so normal so fast. We can take on a lot of burden and still stay very positive. And that's what I've got to work on. Now, after this physical therapy thing, I go to the doctor and he just basically ruins all hope for me. He tells me, yep, you're never going to be the same. You're probably not going to run. You should not be in physical therapy. You should have been. That's why you're getting staying injured and you're in pain. Um, you need three months before you can even plan on start walking and putting weight on that hip. Things like that. So I went from... I'm ahead of the curve. I'm going to get out of here in no time. I'm going to physical therapy. I'm going to be able to walk. Physical therapy told me that I would be able to run by the end of summer to you're not going to walk for three months. Now, the grand opening of my business, I'm not going to be there for the reopening. I have to try to coordinate this and help Zach and Casey do this and Tracy and Jalissa and Kevin do this on their own. And I'll give as much guidance as I can from afar. But Leaving and traveling is difficult. It's painful. It's it. I, I pay for it for multiple days. Often my pain meds don't cut it. I'm I'm not able to I'm not able to overcome the pain. It's 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 the nerves, and it could take six months before I start getting recovery in there. We don't know, but a month in, I have the ability to go outside, and I'm going to. I'm going to finish this podcast, and I'm going to go back outside, and I'm going to come inside, and I'm going to spend some time watching some shows with my wife and my daughter. And if I'm able to tonight, and I'm clear-headed enough, I'm going to think about how we reopen the business. I'm going to think about a plan on who do I need to talk to? How often do I need to update them? What do they need for support from me? Is there other people we need to bring on to be prepared for this? And I'm going to start plotting because I'm going to come back. Six months from the date of this podcast, it's going to be October 17th. Well, that's when I'm recording this. I don't know when this will get released. Daughter's birthday is November 15th. I will be walking into her birthday. Thanks for listening, guys. Go out there, kick some ass, stay positive, be the best you can be. See ya.